And at the conclusion of the, ser- uh, the sermon, they will be brought back in. So uh, if you just want to look for your children when the sermon is over, uh, we'll get them back to you at that point. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word now, we, we look to it for guidance, encouragement, rebuke, all the things that we need it to be. And we ask that your spirit would, would weld it this morning and, and that the spirit would use me to use it properly. And so I trust you for that. We look to you for that. Uh, so, so please take this time and do with it what you would will. In Christ's name, amen. I believe in the power of prayer. Whenever we would take a missions trip with the youth group from Watoma, I would always tell students, you need to ask people to pray for you while you're gone on this missions trip. And, and, and sometimes you got the, the impression that they kind of did it because, well, the pastor's making them do it. I've got to get three prayer partners. I've got to ask adults in the church to pray for me that week while I'm on that missions trip wherever we go. But knowing how mission trips work and knowing the things that you encounter, when students are in the thick of it, they're glad that they ask people to pray for them. They always are. Let me tell you about the one I took last summer. Last summer we uh, did a trip to Austin, Texas, and we flew into Houston from Madison, and then we were going to drive from Houston to Austin. And so we get in this van and we're driving, and uh, we stopped at a gas station, and then we... Uh, and then uh, some students needed to get some stuff in the gas station, and they forgot their money in the back of the trailer. So they go to the back of the trailer with a youth leader, get their money out, and we get on our way and, and, and keep driving. And then we stop at our lunch, de- lunch destination. And as we're pulling into this town, wherever it was, uh, the person right beside me was pointing to the back of the trailer. I thought, oh, no. So we pull over, and sure enough, the door had swung open, and we had lost some luggage. And uh, so I, I, you had a quick thinking here. Let's pull all the luggage out, and all you students can claim your luggage, and then we can find out who's missing what. So we pull all the stuff out, and everyone's looking at their stuff. Everyone's hoping that their bag's not the one missing. And while they're doing that, I get a phone call. And it's a parent from back in Watoma. And she says to me, she says, Is my son's suitcase missing? <laughs> how, how do you know this? <laughs> Who told you? <laughs> and uh, she said, well, I got a call from someone in Texas who found my son's luggage on the road. And uh, I'm calling you because my son's phone number was in the luggage and they found it. And so they called me. Well, that's great. So I got a hold of the woman that found our luggage on the road. And I'll tell you, she found it all. I mean, there was like, three or four suitcases that she recovered for us, nothing was stolen, okay? And she waited at the gas station we left. It must have fallen out around that area. She waited at the gas station that we had left for me to come back and get the stuff that we needed. Nothing was stolen. Everything was recovered. And that mom said to me on the phone, she said, I am so glad I bought Samsonite. (laughs) She said, my son needed new luggage. And I didn't go with the cheap stuff. I bought the best. <laughs> and everything was fine. Nothing was damaged. And we praise God for that. 
But, but those are the kind of things, you know, I realize when you go on missions trips, there's going to be a hundred distractions. There's going to be lots of things happening. You better have people praying for you because we want God to step in when things happen and, and help us resolve them. And, and he certainly did that day. So I believe in the power of prayer. One of the verses, though, that sometimes causes me some confusion is the one in Matthew 21, 22. Uh, you, can, you don't have to go there. I'm just going to quote it for you. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And that causes a little bit of confusion because it sounds like he's saying that if I have enough faith that God's going to do whatever I asked him. It's kind of on me to make sure that I believe enough for something to happen. Now, I want to address that issue because that's kind of a difficult one. Now, you have notes in your bulletin. I encourage you to use them, especially this morning because I'm actually talking about four passages, four people who are praised for their great faith, four people who experience God's miraculous working, and it's even color-coded, I believe, and I hope. It is. Good. So um, this is a different kind of of sermon in that what I want to do this morning is I want to show you four people of great faith and I want to show you some similarities in their stories and then ask us what great faith is. Because this is the problem. If, If faith is something that I have to conjure up, for God to answer my prayer. If it's something that, if I only hit a, if I have to hit a certain level of faith for God to step in and work, that puts a lot of it on me to get it done. And sometimes we refer to people who heal as faith healers. That is, they're people who say, if you have enough faith, it's going to get done. I've seen the dark side of that at times. I've talked to people who, I mean, they're the ones that they want healing. And they don't get it. And so everyone's kind of looking at them like, if you would have had more faith, something would have happened. And I think that's incredibly sad. It's incredibly sad. Because I know so many people who have great faith that have not experienced the healing that they were looking for. So, so how, how, do we, how do we figure out what does that mean? If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in faith. Is it about mental concentration? Is it about like, I believe, I believe, I believe... Is it about singing more passionately during worship? Is it about reading more Bible verses? What is this about, this, this great faith that, that we know people in the Bible had, that we want to have, and that maybe we don't have? I, I don't know. Let me say this at the outset. If you pray without faith, that's not good. A couple of reasons why. Uh, Romans fourteen twenty three says, The man who doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith. Everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. Everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. So if you pray without faith, you're already in trouble. Okay, there's got to be faith. Uh, Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. James 1 says, if you want wisdom, you need to ask God, but don't doubt when you ask, otherwise you're not going to receive wisdom from God. So, so faith is a part of this. If you ask God and you don't really believe, well then there's absolutely no way He's going to answer you for that. Because anything you do without faith is sin. 
That's a teaching of Scripture. But what is great faith? What is great faith? Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And I want, I'm going to come back to that definition in a little bit. What is great faith? I've given you four stories. Four people of great faith. And you have those in your notes. I invite you to look at them as we read through them just briefly. Matthew 8, 5 is the first one. It's a centurion. It says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, My servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished, and he said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subject of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. The centurion. Matthew 15.22 is a Canaanite woman. Let's look at this one. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus didn't answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. And then you have the woman subject to bleeding. Look at Matthew 9.20. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. And finally, an Old Testament saint, Abraham, in Romans 4.18. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said of him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Four stories. The centurion, the Canaanite woman, the bleeding woman, Abraham. All of them praised for their great faith. All of them experiencing something miraculous. What is going on here? So here's what I've done. I've compared these four 
pillars of faith and tried to see what the similarities were between them. This isn't, formu- this isn't a formula like A plus B plus C equals miracle, you know. Um, <laughs> it's not like that. It's only saying, what is it about these people that Jesus sees as so incredible? And can we model after them? Can I have a faith like that? What is it? Well, number one, the way of great faith. And this is the words in red. The words in red. Those with great faith understand their own limitations and unworthiness. The blank in your notes is limitations. Those with great faith understand their limitations and their unworthiness. Look at the passages again, and in particular the ones in red. The centurion says, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. The centurion is saying, Jesus, I I am a sinner. (laughs) You don't have to come to my house. I mean, there's nothing in me that deserves that kind of attention. I'm not worthy. And then there's the Canaanite woman. And this one's even more remarkable because, I mean, it causes us kind of a little bit of headache because Jesus says it's not right to give the, the children's bread to dogs. All Jesus is really saying is, you're a Canaanite woman, you're not a Jewish woman. I came here for the Jewish people. Let's, let's just keep that clear. And she says, no, that's not fair. You can't call me that. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She doesn't say that at all. She says, yes, Lord. That is who I am. I am an outsider. I am not part of the people of Yahweh. That's not my identity. I agree with you on that. There's God's people and there's everybody else. I get it. I get it. I'm not worthy of this. Now she's going to say something else in a moment. We're going to look at what she says. But there's an agreement that I don't deserve this miracle. I don't deserve the answer to this request. I get it. Now, let's go on. Matthew 9. Uh, I don't want to take too much time on this one. It says, the woman had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Again, she's limited. She can't take care of this. She's probably seen many doctors. And she's at the end of it. I mean, what else am I going to do? I've done everything I can for this problem. My ability is at an end. And then you have Romans 4, verse 18. It says of Abraham, Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. Abraham says, you know what? (laughs) There's no way I'm going to conceive a child. (laughs) There's no way my wife is going to bear me a son. There's just no way. I am too old for that. But he didn't weaken in his faith. He looked at the reality and faced it. This is impossible. And then he looked at God's promise and said, it's possible. God can do this. So what I see in each of these passages is, I've come to an end of what I can do. Or, I'm not even worthy of this. That's very different than someone demanding God step in and take action and heal them. God, you owe this to me. I mean, I've almost heard that kind of mentality from some people. God, you you have to. You just have to. But I see people here saying, "I, I don't deserve any of this. But I still need you, Lord. Once 
when uh, Christy was pregnant with uh, Caitlin, she was having really, really bad uh, trouble with her back. And she had seen the chiropractor for it. She'd gotten adjustments. And it just wasn't, it wasn't working out. And I remember, I mean, the pain would move her to tears. And I remember, I remember in our house on High Street in Watoma, I, I remember sitting on the sofa with her. I think the kids were in bed. And I remember just putting my hand on her back and praying. And it went away. I mean, the pain just, it just went away. And, you know, we, we were at an end. I mean, we went to the chiropractor. We did what we can do. All we had in that moment for her comfort during the pregnancy was, God, either you step in or we don't have anything. There, there's something to be said for coming to an end of what we can do and saying, I am so limited, but you, God, are unlimited. Please step in. Please step in. Okay? So we understand. We, we can't make life work the way we want. We can't, we can't force our prodigal children to come home, as, as Eric has spoken about this morning, you know, coming to the Christy Symbola event. Um, we can't make that happen. We can't put, I mean, we can work on our marriage, but we can't fix it as deeply as God can. We can go to doctors, but we can't heal as well as God can. We can do our part. But there's, there comes a time when we're at an end. And that's what these people experienced. Secondly, then, the people of great faith, secondly, experience spiritual insight. This has got to be the hardest point in this message, for me, at least. But I see it here. I see it. In each one of these people, they have insight. They see something that Jesus, is, Jesus praises them for what they experience as spiritual insight from God. I just want to point it out to you. Uh, we'll look at the centurion again at the top. The centurion is talking about Jesus. You don't have to come under my roof. Just, just say the word and my servant will be healed. And then in verse 9 he says... For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I tell, say to my servant, do this, and he does it. The centurion had this deep insight that when you are a person with authority, you can just say the word and it will be done. It will be done. How did he know that that's the way God is? You know? I mean, God is the God who spoke the universe into existence. You talk about authority. If he says it, it is done. And the centurion knew that this is the kind of God we're talking about here. Jesus, if you just say it, you don't have to lay your hands on him. Just, just say it. And, and you think about the Jewish culture. People are bringing, bringing people to Jesus for him to touch them and heal them. And this centurion says, I don't even need that. I don't even need you to put your hands on my servant. Just say it. It will be done. And Jesus says, I've not seen anyone with this kind of faith. This is amazing. You know the power in the word of God. That's great faith. Okay? All right, let's look at the great faith of the Canaanite woman. Okay, so she agrees with Jesus. I am the outsider. I'm like the dog here. You don't give your kids good food to the dog. 
And then she says, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. I mean, look at that insight. I mean, she just got turned down by Jesus. I mean, Jesus just said, you, you are lower than the Jewish people. And she has this amazing faith-filled comeback. I wish I could think on my feet like that and say, yeah, but, but Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs. Even the dogs get the leftovers. I just want leftovers here. Just, just a little bit. And Jesus praises her for her faith. And she experiences, she receives what she's asked for. I mean, I look at that and I'm just, it, it's amazing. And she has this insight into the compassion that Jesus will have on her. And she's right to know that and to feel that. Matthew 9.20, uh, in that passage, the woman who touches his cloak. She's not even going to make Jesus aware of what she's doing. I mean, do you get that? She's undercover here. I mean, this is like Mission Impossible. If I can just reach and touch the cloak, I will be healed. Well, who told her that? Who, who told her that's the way it worked? All these people are coming to Jesus and please, Jesus, have mercy on me. Leo, lay your hands on me. Do these different things. And she just, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be healed. I don't even have to tell him my problems. This will work. That's faith. How did she know that was going to work like that? And it does. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. And of course, in seminary, we have all these wonderful arguments on, did Jesus know that she touched me? He kind of, in other passages, who touched me? Like he didn't know. Did Jesus know it? Did he have control of the power that went out from him at that moment? Uh, I'll leave that to you to you to discuss at your family dinner today. But, um, <laughs> but for me, I'm impressed with the insight. How did she know that touching his robe would bring that response? But she did. She did. Insight. And then there's Abraham in verse 20 of Romans 4. He didn't waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Abraham was persuaded that God was going to keep his promise and that God could actually, he actually had the power to keep his promise. Now, Insight. Spiritual insight is difficult for me to talk about, to preach about, because with these folks here, they, they knew something was going to happen. Right? That woman knew. She just knew she was going to be healed when she touched his cloak. That centurion just knew that Jesus just had to speak and it would have happened. It was going to happen. Abraham knew he was going to have a child in his old age. When I prayed for my wife's back, did I know she was going to be healed? No, I didn't. I didn't. And yet I have spoke with enough Christians that have said to me, Niall, I have prayed and I knew God was going to step in. I just had a deep experience of God in my soul, I knew he was going to step in and do something here. I knew he was going to do a miracle, and he did. I, I talked to people like that. I talked to a guy once in one of my seminary classes, and he said, I, I'm not into the faith healing thing. I'm not into the name it and claim it thing. He says, but I tell you, I was driving one time, and God brought 
the name of someone from, my, from our church. This is a guy in Madison. He's like, I'm driving, and God brought the name of somebody from my church into my mind, someone that was in the hospital, and I knew I was supposed to drive over there and pray for their healing. He's like, I've never done that before. It felt awkward. First time you pray for something like that, where you go to someone and, hey, you know, I'm here to pray for your healing. But, but he, he was obedient, and he did, and that person was healed. And when I pray, if I get the flu and I pray for myself, I don't usually have the deep conviction that God's going to take that away that very moment. And I wish I did. But I've talked to enough people that sometimes experience that deep conviction. And they say, God just stepped in and I knew he was going to, and he healed. Or, 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 or he healed this relationship, or he mended this. He just did, and I knew it. We don't have Jesus walking around America healing people the way he walked around Israel healing people. So that makes us a little bit different from what was going on there. Okay? We don't have him walking around doing that. Let's keep that in mind. But let's also realize that there are times when, I mean, we have the mind of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside us, when he is going to give you sometimes that deep conviction in your soul that he is going to heal this thing. He's going to do this. And then he will. He will. Now, if it's just your emotions playing tricks on you, maybe he will, maybe he won't. And maybe you'll realize whether he, what, he, what he was saying to you when you felt that. Maybe it was just your, your hope, you know? But this is what I see here. And, and I'm, I wrestle with that. I wrestle with it this week. But this is what I see. People that are convicted that God's going to step in and do something. Maybe, on another level, how do I apply this to my life, this particular point? Maybe part of it is when I pray, I get the deep conviction that God is compassionate, that He cares about my problems, and that I will receive something from Him. If not the healing that I'm asking for, then at least the grace and the strength to carry on. I can have a conviction in my soul that He will do something. He will provide in this need, even if He doesn't lift me out of that circumstance. You should have a conviction of some sort when you pray to Him. That is the way of great faith. Knowing that He is a compassionate, powerful, faithful, merciful God who will take action. Thirdly, The way of great faith. Those with great faith willingly receive whatever God gives. They willingly receive whatever God gives. The centurion hears Jesus say to him, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would, and his servant was healed that very hour. He received healing for his servant. And then you have the Canaanite woman. Her daughter was healed from that very hour. She received healing for, for her daughter. Then there's Matthew chapter 9. The bleeding woman. The woman was healed from that moment. And then there's Romans 4.18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. God did what he would promise to do, and Abraham had a huge family 
despite the fact that he was a hundred years old, approximately. People with great faith receive whatever God will give them through prayer. Whatever you have for me, I will take it. And in thinking about faith in the last few years, I've come to really... If you want to give me the posture of faith, what does faith look like? Faith looks like, like this. Maybe even better. Faith looks like, like, like this. And let me tell you why. Faith is believing that God exists and that he rewards those who trust him. That is our first passage that we talked about this morning. Um, that is Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So I got to believe that he exists. Okay, that, that's me bending my knee. I'm no longer king of my life. He's king of my life. I believe he's there. But I also have to believe that he rewards people that seek him. And that's the hands out thing. Okay, my knees are bent before the king and I'm ready to receive what he has to give me. And that's faith. When you came to Christ, what you said was, however you said it, whatever kind of prayer you prayed or whatever you believed in your heart, it definitely amounted to you saying, God, you are there and I want to receive your forgiveness. That's it. There was a transaction made. I believe that you exist and that you love me and I'm ready to receive your salvation. Please take away my sins. That's faith. It's kneeling with hands out. So when we pray... We believe that He exists, that He cares, and our hands are out to receive whatever He would give. If He brings us healing, we take it. If He says, like He said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in your weakness, we'll take the power to get through this time. He will give us what we need to endure what we are going through. But are we willing to receive whatever He has to give? That is the way of great faith. One more story. Um, in, a, in a minute here, we are going to have a time where I'm asking the elders and uh, wives as well. My wife will be on the stage. But um, elders to be up here. And we're going to invite you during the worship time to come up if you would like prayer. And I'm going to read the passage in James. We're going to anoint you with oil. And I'll, I'll say a little more of that in a second. But... Um, I did a service like this once in Watoma where we invited folks forward, elders laid hands and prayed. And at that time, Christy, uh, I don't know if a lot of you know, but Christy has uh, some nerve damage in her mouth from when she had her wisdom teeth ex- extracted. And she's on a, a medic- medicine to kind of deaden that nerve so she doesn't feel it. it. It's incredibly painful, incredibly painful. And for whatever reason, the medicine... It wasn't working. I mean, it had been working, and then it just kind of stopped working. And of course, we've already been praying for healing for her. I mean, that's already been going on for a long time. But the medicine wasn't working, and she was in deep, deep, deep pain. And we did a service like this where we asked her to, people to come up, and she came up, and she received prayer. And all I can say is, the medicine started working after we prayed. I mean, that's, that's just what happened. Okay, we prayed for her. And of course, we prayed for full healing. God hasn't done that yet. But we also prayed that the medicine would kick in and deaden this nerve so she didn't feel the pain. 
And he did. He did. That day he did. We're willing to receive whatever he gives, whether it's healing or whether it's strength. May he give it to us. This is the week of prayer. So I want to go to the last slide. Um, I want to invite you to be praying this week. In your bulletins, you have a handout. It is bright colored. It's on cardstock paper, a little thicker. I I asked people in the church that had ministries, I asked our missionaries to submit prayer requests for us to pray for for the church for this year. I'm asking you that if you're in a community group or Bible study, would you commit your Bible study time to praying through for the church, praying through this, praying for each other this week? Would you just devote that time to doing the work of prayer this week? I'm also asking that you would devote at least 15 minutes of your day, again, to praying through this, praying for different needs that you know in the church, praising God, thanking Him, We want to commit 2013 to God. God's not going to work here if we're not praying for it, if we're not asking Him. If we want to see great things, we've got to ask for great things. So let's be praying. Um, After church this morning, after this service, we will have our last uh, When God's People Pray class. And you can stay for that and we'll pray in that time as well. Another option. And then, of course, Friday, you know about the Chrissy Cimbala Toledo event at 7 p.m., dinner at 6. Um, Invite a friend. Come to be encouraged in your prayer life. Come to have a heart open to prodigal children. Um, That's going to be really significant, so I pray that you'll be able to come to that. I want to close this time, though, with uh, the words of James to kind of explain how we're going to do this, this uh, worship time that's coming up. And worship team, you can actually take your places now. I'll explain this briefly and then we'll, we'll go into that time. James 5.13 says, Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is any one of you happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And as an example, he says, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Maybe I should be praying for snow. I don't know. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yes. Um, I want to follow James 5 this morning. And so I've asked the elders to be made available to you this morning. I'm going to ask them to sit in the front pews here. And we have some oil. And what we're going to do is, if you want prayer this morning, we're going to anoint you with oil just on your forehead, and we're going to pray for you. If there is unconfessed sin, I invite you to confess that as the passage says. Confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. We recognize that not all sickness is connected to sin, of course. That even the faithful suffer. But if there is sin, 
we invite you to confess that. And then we'll pray. We'll pray for relationships. We'll pray for sickness. We'll pray for whatever's going on that you want prayer for. The anointing with oil. Two different thoughts about it. Some think that that could have been medicinal. We're going to use it as a sign of the Holy Spirit's presence. The Holy Spirit is with us. He lives in us. So when we anoint you, there's nothing magical about that. We're just saying the Holy Spirit is here while we're asking for this. That's just a sign of his presence. If there's nothing you want to come forward for, we're going to be worshiping this morning. So just just worship. Just praise God. Like the verse says, if you're happy, if things are good, praise him. If things are not so good, feel free to come forward and we will pray for you. So if I could have the elders come up and sit in the front rows here. Um, you certainly don't have to come up and stand. We can sit down and pray for you. You can have that moment to talk and uh, to us and then we'll pray. Let me pray for us now. Lord Jesus, uh, we confess that, again that we are not worthy of your working. There's nothing in us. Our righteousness doesn't amount to anything, really. Our good works don't earn us a spot in your heart. Your love has done that. Your unconditional, merciful, gracious love, that's why we're so dear to you. And so on the basis of that, we want to come and bring our prayers to you, our requests to you, because you're a compassionate God. God, give us great faith. I pray for the elders this morning that they would pray with great faith. I pray that I would pray with great faith. I pray for the church that as as people come forward, that the church too would be praying along with us with great faith. Father, we devote the year 2013 to you, asking you to move mightily in this church. May we see people saved. May we see disciples growing in their faith. May we see children being raised up to know you and love you and serve you. God, we submit fully to your will in all things. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.